Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby, and here it is, listen very carefully, good will come to you. That's their theology. Job, you've been a very, very, very bad boy. And that's why things are very, very, very bad for you. You want things to be good again? (laughs) You want good to come to you? We need to come back to God. Because obviously, that's the problem here. Can't you see it? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Job's friends refused to consider the error in their theology. As a result, they became prideful and harsh towards Job. Pastor J.D. challenges us to consider how we treat others in the church. Are we looking for others to fail so that we might prove how good we are? Or are we humbly placing ourselves in the shoes of others so that we might know their pain? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 21 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You know, one said that God gave us two ears and one mouth. Do the math to listen twice as much as we as we speak, and to not talk over people. Let them talk and let them speak into your life. You never know. God may have a word for you through somebody, like Oswald Chambers says, we, we, we are okay when the Lord breaks us, but sometimes we're not okay with who the Lord chooses to use as the instrument to break us. Sometimes God will have somebody, the last person you would ever want God to use, to have that word to speak into your life. You know the Proverbs talk about how rod sharpens rod, and iron sharpens iron, and so too does does one man sharpen the countenance of another. Well, you know, when you do that, when you rub the two knives together, it creates friction and heat, but it sharpens. It sharpens. Well, chapter 22, verse 1. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing. It's a, I have to laugh because if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry for Job. <laughs> verse 2. Can a man be profitable to God, though he who is wise may be profitable to himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous? Or is it gain to Him that you make your ways blameless? Is it because of your fear of Him that He corrects you and enters into judgment with you? Is not your wickedness great and your iniquity without end? Are you kidding me? They're they're still insinuating that Job is wicked and his iniquity is without end. He has just got done pleading with them to be reasonable. And he's defending himself and his innocence. And this Eliphaz has the audacity to continue this accusation that Job is wicked. 
Verse 6, it gets worse. Hang on. For you have taken pledges from your brother for no reason. You rip people off. It gets worse. Hang on. And strip the naked of their clothing. Oh. (laughs) Eliphaz is saying of Job that you've robbed the poor blind. You've taken their last bit of clothing off their backs and left them shamefully naked. It gets worse. Verse 7, you have not given weary the weary water to drink, and you have withheld bread from the hungry. In other words, Job was very wealthy, remember? And he never used any of that wealth to give people water to drink who were thirsty and bread to eat who were hungry. (laughs) Verse 8, but the mighty man possessed the land and the honorable man dwelt in it. You have sent widows away empty. Wow. What does James say about pure undefiled religion? It's the fatherless and the widows and those who are in prison. And by the way, prison then, uh, there were no meals, there were no gyms. Just saying, if you were sent to prison in that day, you were sent to die. And it was a dungeon, and they didn't feed you. The only way you would eat is if friends brought you food to eat and water to drink. That's what James says, is pure undefiled religion. That's true Christianity. That's true love. It's the wit, the helpless, those who can't help themselves. Those widows, those fatherless, those in prison. And here is Eliphaz. Really? He is saying of Job, not only, look, look at the, the, uh, the, the implication here in verse 9 is that widows came to him, to Job. As often was the case, they would go to those who were wealthy and ask for help. And Job was certainly very, very wealthy. So he's saying, the widows that came to you and asked for help from you, you set them away empty-handed. And here it is. And the strength of the fatherless was crushed. You crushed them. Therefore, verse 10, man, I could just hear the tone of this guy's voice. Snares are all around you. And sudden fear troubles you. (laughs) Or darkness so that you cannot see. And an abundance of water covers you. That's why. Connect the dots, Job. You you sent the, the widows away. You crushed the fatherless. This is why this is all happening to you. Verse 12. Is not God. I'm sure he said it with reverb. (laughs) Is not God in the height of heaven and see the highest stars, how lofty they are? And you say, what does God know? Can he judge through the deep darkness? Thick clouds cover him so that he cannot see. And he walks above the circle of heaven. Will you keep to the old way which wicked men have trod? Translated, (laughs) Job, 
You're going to continue in your wickedness, aren't you? You're not going to repent, are you? Verse 16, the wicked men have trod who were cut down before their time, whose foundations were swept away by a flood. They said to God, depart from us. What can the Almighty do to them? Yet he filled their houses with good things. But the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent laugh at them. Surely, verse 20, our adversaries are cut down, and the fire consumes their remnant. Now acquaint yourself with him. (laughs) What? (laughs) You need to get reacquainted with God, because obviously, Job, you're so wicked and far away from God. You need to return to the Lord. You need to repent and come back to God. You're, you're, you're evil. You're, you're wicked. You've done evil. You've done wicked. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby, and here it is, listen very carefully, good will come to you. That's their theology. Job, you've been a very, very, very bad boy. And that's why things are very, very, very bad for you. You want things to be good again? (laughs) You want good to come to you? We need to come back to God. Because obviously, that's the problem here. Can't you see it? Verse 22, receive please instruction from his mouth. Wait. (laughs) If I'm not mistaken, God has been silent heretofore. He can't, oh, were God to, and you got to wonder, if God were to say prematurely, Job, hang in there. He'll ruin everything. He'll defeat the whole purpose of all of this. He can't. He has to remain silent because he has, I hate to use this word, you'll forgive me, He has a bet of sorts with Satan. The bet is that if God allows Satan to do what Satan has done to Job, surely without question, Job will curse him to his face. The accusation from the accuser of the brethren, the devil himself, is, of course God Job is going to worship you. Look at how you blessed him. Well, no wonder. The only reason Job worships you is because of how you've blessed him and, and prospered him. You, you let me take away all of his prosperity. He'll curse you. So God says, okay, deal. So Satan goes, takes away all of his prosperity, and Job doesn't curse him. And then Satan has to regroup, come back, he does. Okay, well, you you let me afflict him. You let me take his children, he'll curse you. Take the children, does not curse God. Okay, let me afflict him. He afflicts him. And interesting, we talked about this last week. He does not afflict Job anywhere close in proximity to his mouth. He keeps that intact. When Job refers to the only thing he's, and this is where we get that, that saying, he escaped by the skin of his teeth. 
He said, the only thing that I, that has escaped this horrific plot and plight of mine is the skin of my teeth. Well, you know why Satan didn't afflict this? He certainly had permission to, right? Remember? God said you can do anything you want to him. You can't kill him. You can do anything you want to him. So what does Satan do? He does everything except touch the mouth. He's got to keep that intact. Why? Because he wants him to curse God. If he doesn't keep the mouth and the skin of his teeth intact, he cannot speak at all, let alone curse God. So so he does all of this, and yet Job, and as we know, in the end, in all of this, Job did not curse God. But here's what Job did with the mouth and the ability to speak being left intact did. He cried out to God, pleaded with God, God, what have I done? Show me whatever it is. I will receive whatever it is. And yet God remained silent. And for this Eliphaz to say, receive please instruction from his mouth. What do you think I've been crying out to God for this whole time? What do you think I've been pleading to Him to do this? I've been begging Him. I've been crying until there's no more tears in my tear ducts. God, show me. Instruct me. Reveal to me. Don't remain silent. We're going to see it again, by the way. That is the anguish of his soul. He longs, he aches to hear a word from his God whom he loves so much. And I assure you that were God to speak even one word, oh, that would be it. That's all he wants. And then Eliphaz says, and lay up his words in your heart. (laughs) to me, that is the ultimate. Lay up his words in my heart, Eliphaz. Yeah. Receive instruction from his mouth, Eliphaz. Yeah. Verse 23. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. If I return to the Almighty, Eliphaz, what do you think I've been trying to do here? I, I will do anything. But re- return to him. I never left him. It, it seems like he's left me. I've never turned against him. It seems like God has turned against me. He said as much. And then Eliphaz continues, you will remove iniquity far from your tents. I don't have any iniquity in my tents. I've been trying to tell you that for the last 20 chapters. Well, almost 20 chapters. What iniquity? I'm telling you what iniquity. You tell me what iniquity. I will get rid of it in a New York second. New York second, by the way, is a very fast (laughs) measurement of time. I've been there. It's very fast, a New York second. I think it's actually the idiom is a New York minute, but it's more like a second. And he would have. 
Verse 24, then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. Uh, Joke care less about that. For then, verse 26, you will have your delight in the Almighty. He cares about that. And lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to him. He will hear you and you will pay your vows. Pretty sure he always did that. You will, verse 28, also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways when they cast you down and you say exaltation will come. Then he will save the humble person. (laughs) He will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, He will be delivered by the purity of your hands. You see riddled throughout all of this, just accusation after accusation. I mean, you can count them. Uh, Job is proud, not humble. Uh, Job has impurity, not purity. Job is guilty, not innocent. And I mean, the list just goes on and on. By the way, how would that have hurt when he says, So light will shine on your ways. Oh, I remember those days before all of this happened when light would shine on my ways. You'll pay your vows. I remember we even have a record of it, the beginning of the book in chapter 1, how that he would always pay his vows. And even he would make sacrifices for his children even because he didn't know if they had sinned. And this is pre-law. This is pre-Mosaic law, law of Moses. This is pre-priesthood. This is pre-everything. And he's doing that which would yet future be instituted in the history of Israel. Well, this is, and by the way, (laughs) if I could just, encourage you at this juncture in the Bible study. Uh, this is the last time this guy speaks. <laughs> Not a moment too soon. However, before we celebrate, we need to address his last words, which are troublesome to say the least. Think this through with me. He not only attacks Job's character, which when you attack somebody's character, that is the lowest of lows. When you stoop to that level and you attack somebody's character falsely, no less, that is the lowest of lows. But he actually, and I don't know if you've caught it or not, he actually has the audacity to insinuate that Job is of no value to God. In other words... God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't value you. Can you imagine all that he's been through? And then to have to listen to someone like this say something like that? Adam Clark of this wrote, Thus ends Eliphaz the Temanite, 
who began with a tissue of the bitterest charges, continued with the most cruel insinuations, and ended with commonplace exhortations to repentance and promises of secular blessings in consequence. I mean, this is textbook. You do this, God will do that. Tit for tat. Insert tab A, slot B, you get C. That's our theology. G. Camel Morgan had an interesting comment. He writes, Great and wonderful words are these. What? Wait, are we reading the same chapter here? Yeah. Great and wonderful words are these, had Eliphaz applied them to himself. (laughs) He would have found that his own imperfect acquaintance with God, remember the, the accusation, the insinuation, you need to get acquainted with God. Oh, me? What about you? He would have found that his own imperfect acquaintance with God was the reason why he was not able to bring any real comfort to his suffering friend. And herein lies what I referred to earlier. Would you agree with me that they have no interest in comforting or ministering to Job. You know what their their sole goal, if I can say it that way, is? Their sole goal is not to comfort Job, is to confront Job in their piety, in their pride, in their arrogance. This is a classic case of being a police instead of a paramedic. No offense, Artie. I love you, sir. But the policeman when there's been an accident, arrives on the scene, and his only concern, right, is who broke the law? Who's in the wrong? Who ran the red light? That's what the police is there to do. Now, arriving on the scene also are the paramedics. They're not there. That's Artie's job. They're not there to find out who's in the wrong, who broke the law, who who ran the red light causing the accident, their only concern is to minister to the injured and wounded. They're not paramedics. (laughs) That's not why they're there. They're there to police him, not to minister to him. They could care less that this man is hanging on by a thread. This man is at the end. And how much more can he take? The Lord knows. The Lord knows how much more he can bear up under. Job's life shifted radically and quickly from prosperity to despair, giving him every reason to complain and turn away from God. Yet Job kept his focus on his Creator, telling us in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not easy to praise the Lord when everything we know falls apart. But as we'll continue to learn from Job, God has a much better and greater plan than we can even comprehend. God will bring us through every trial and tragedy we face and is our ultimate source of comfort and strength. Have you discovered the powerful love of God in your life? 
If you'd like to know more about this relationship, we have a great guide for you at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family, one that follows God with all their hearts and live by His Word, and we'll provide you with support as you walk this journey of faith. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m., and again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today, but we want to thank you for listening. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Job, right here on In Spirit and Truth.